You've heard of Grammarly, and you might think it's a fancy spell check, but people on your team have been using it and loving it for years because it does way more than you realize. Grammarly is a secure AI writing partner that works seamlessly across apps and websites and can write an instant first draft in a few clicks, not a few hours. When every word your team writes is clear, concise and on brand, companies can save 19 days per employee per year. Learn what better writing can do for your company at Grammarly.com. Grammarly. Easier said, done. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. From the heart of where innovation, money, and power collide in Silicon Valley and beyond, this is Bloomberg Technology with Caroline Hyde and Ed Ludlow. I'm Caroline Hyde at Bloomberg's World Headquarters in New York. And I'm Ed Ludlow. This is Bloomberg Technology live in San Francisco from the RSA conference. Focus on cybersecurity. How are companies and governments around the world responding to the digital threat? That's the conversation Caroline will be having here. Meanwhile, there is so much conversation we had around competition, around earnings. And we start there with this market check, Ed, because let's just go to where we're seeing some of the movement. Interestingly, the buying of the Nasdaq today, big tech on top. Why? Because of earnings are outperforming the Microsoft, the Googles. We'll get to it in a minute. But this isn't a global story. Technology actually underperforming over in Europe as some of the chip makers, chip related companies are actually underwhelming in terms of their own performance. So we see a bit of a dive there, a pullback on the six tenths of percent over in European technology trading. Crypto getting a real buy. Is this risk on around technology and the correlation there? Or is this because we're still worried about a banking crisis? Let's have a look, quick look at what's happening in terms of First Republic Bank. We're seeing yet further record lows for this particular lender. We know that we have some concerns around maybe a new share sale. We've got Alphabet shares on the upside as it earnings come thick and fast. Let's just go to some breaking news, though, because we do indeed have a fact that Disney, we understand, is suing Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. This is according to CNBC as it currently stands at the moment. So Disney, we understand, suing Florida's Governor Ron DeSantis. Of course, there's been a lot of political issues between the governor of that particular state and indeed the autonomy of Disney around its municipal area and the way in which it finances where it works. Let's get to that story in a moment. But we're going to go back to some of the numbers at the moment because Disney not really reacting on the news. We're up just a tenth of a percent. Let's go back to where we are seeing movement. Alphabet on the higher side, we see Google actually managed to shake off those nerves around competitive threat coming from Microsoft and AI. And indeed, let's talk about Microsoft. Let's talk about the fact that it beats on earnings. But big news this morning coming from the UK, as we understand the shares of Activision really moving on the back of that, because the $69 billion proposed takeover by Microsoft of Activision on hold. The UK saying, I'm sorry, we don't buy it, we don't like it. We're buying more than 11%, even though Activision came early with its earnings. Let's get to it. Jennifer Riem, pleased to say, of Bloomberg Intelligence, joins us to really dive into why the UK thinks this is such a competitive threat. 
You know, what they're concerned about, I think, are the, innov the innovations to come, you know, the where the markets are moving. So at first, everybody was focusing on consoles and how this might affect gaming on consoles. But what the UK's concern is, is that things are moving to the cloud. People will pay a subscription to play a game, and instead of downloading it, they'll be, have access to all sorts of games on the cloud. And that's easier, and it's much better. It doesn't clog up their, com their computers. And they're concerned that Microsoft will dominate that area in the future, because it already has such a strong position in cloud. Now, if it gets all this content, and especially this kind of must-have content, a game like Call of Duty, that it can basically exclude other cloud providers, and that's the concern here. Arbitrage investors saying, look, we've never seen an appeal, which Microsoft is doing, work against right. the UK Competition Market Authority. What then of what this means for getting this deal done, because they've also got European regulators looking at it, US regulators right. looking at it? Look, right now, it's a real uphill climb. It's not only going to be difficult to overturn this decision, it's going to take a really long time. Yeah. Deals can't stick together for four and five years, which might be needed. You know, they have a lawsuit coming up right here in the United States that's supposed to start August 2 uh, within the Federal Trade Commission before an administrative law judge. That decision would get appealed to the commission. Let's say it was for the companies. And the commissioners are the very commissioners that voted to sue, so they would likely reverse it. And now the appeal would go to the federal courts. That timing <laughs> looking at another year and a half. Yeah. So, uh, you know, outside even of just the difficulty substantively of overturning a CMA decision in the, the competition tribunal, appeal tribunal, you also have just timing, and timing tends to kill deals. At the end of the day, the read across, big tech can't do big deals, is that really what we're left with? I think it's not so much that big tech can't do big deals. I think it's going to be very difficult for them to do big deals. They'll get intensive scrutiny. And if they do have a problem, the remedy they propose has to be a really good one. Mm. Thorough, it has to completely replace the competition that's lost by virtue of the deal. That's going to be difficult to do with these regulators today to get them to accept the remedy that's been offered. Always fantastic to have your analysis. Jennifer Ree, you can go read her with Bloomberg Intelligence. Let's get back to it, though. We've got to go over to San Francisco. Ed, you've got an important conversation. Yeah, we are live at the RSA conference here in SF. The focus, cybersecurity. And we set the scene with Kevin Mandia, the CEO of Mandia, and of course now part of the Google family. Kevin, it's good to see you. Uh, thanks for having me. You, you, let's start by saying 2022, a relatively mm -hmm. quiet year from a cybersecurity perspective. We recognize that the, the digital threat. you, might have been quiet. Well, I know you're yeah. always very busy. Right. But your peers, many of them are standing around us now. What is the topic of conversation today? What is the focus? Well, I think there's a lot of focuses. When you review 2022 and then looking into the future, in 2022, I think the focus was, hey, there was more zero days than before. We got to get better at the blocking and tackling the patch management. China really innovated on offense when it came to cyber espionage. We had. You've gone straight to China, uh, well, which is interesting because we recognize Partly. heightened mm -hmm. geopolitical mm -hmm. tensions between the United States and China. Right. Do we see a ramp up in cyber activity coming from China correlate to that? Well, I do, you know, my view of all ideological and geopolitical conditions is kind of seen in the cyber domain. What I can opine on is in the cyber domain, I feel we saw more innovation, meaning more vulnerability and exploitation, vulnerability research and exploitation out of China that to me was innovative, it was creative uh, and advanced, and we saw them doing better operational security. So in that regard, Offensive cyber espionage techniques out of China had perhaps its best, you know, greatest one-year advancement in my 30-year career. 
Mandiant, as it's been in the news cycle, has also been focused mm -hmm. on activity in North Korea, particularly mm -hmm. around ransom. Mm -hmm. We recognize that President Biden hosts uh, his mm -hmm. South Korean counterpart uh, in the coming days. Sure. How much is that a threat at the moment? It seems somewhat um, random, mm -hmm. uh, the ransom sure. activity that comes out of North. Well, you know, when you look at ransomware in particular, we saw actually a decrease in the over 1,100 cases where we were hired to investigate what happened and what to do about it. We saw our ransomware investigations actually go down. But when we do threat research or respond to North Korean threat groups, we are seeing them hack to make money. And those intrusions that are usually more indiscriminate, you know, it's kind of like, let's hack who we can and do some mining and things of that nature. It's basically been a year mm -hmm. since Mandiant joined Google, Google sure. Cloud. Mm -hmm. What's that transition been like? You, you're a founder, CEO, sure. essentially. Right. right. Do you remain entrepreneurial? How do you operate within a big beast like that? Well, so, you know, first, I don't feel that much of a change. We had tremendous alignment between what Mandiant's vision of, you know, their cybersecurity future was and what Google Cloud's vision for what they want to do in cybersecurity. When you have that kind of alignment, it's kind of like two armies marching in the same direction towards the same goal. So it was easy to come in and integrate. I haven't felt change. We're still responding to breaches that matter. We're still advising customers on the consulting side how to transform your security programs. I think the big change, back to your first question, which was kind of, you know, what was 2022? What are we looking forward to? We are coming up on a shift change in security. You know, cloud was a shift change in security where people had to recognize you could do security from the cloud or you had to do it for the cloud. Now we have AI coming out. Right. And it's going to be a shift change. And you finally to, took yes, us there. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so generative AI, I mean, right. how does it change defense? Oh, totally. Yeah. It, it, so, you know, the best analogy I have, because the ways that it can do it is probably too quick for a soundbite, is I remember when Tesla one day just updated and my car could drive itself. And oh, I remember, yeah. yeah, absolutely. And I remember going, oh, there's no way it can drive itself. And first day I'm gripping the wheel. Second day I'm on the 280 and I'm like, it worked. I think AI, you're gonna see some of the most rapid advances where security challenges that were very hard, like great identity security, suddenly we go, wow, right. we're great at it now. So you're gonna see advancements coming at speeds. Well, advancements, I mean, yes. how are you integrating BARD very quickly? Because that is where Google has shown its hand. Well, we're creating, company. you know, for the security use case, you know, the way I look at it is kind of coming from the other side. So there's BARD coming at you for generative AI, but I'm looking at it from the vertex point and looking at it from, we need our own models in security so that we can determine anomalies to logons, anomalies for processes. The security use case is going to have different data, different machine learning models. Uh, so I kind of look at it from that standpoint, but I can feel the shift change coming. It will be real and complex challenges are suddenly going to get easier for us. Uh, yes or no, are you making money for Google? Am I making money? Yes. Yes or no, will you be there in a year's time? Still part yes. of that bigger company? Yeah. Kevin Mandia, CEO of Mandian, Thank you. Park Caroline of Google Cloud. From RSA, back to you in New York. What a great, punchy interview, Ed. Thank you so much.
let's look at the parent company of Google, Alphabet, of course, actually managing to post better than expected earnings for the fiscal first quarter, showing really resilience in the face of new AI-fueled search competition, also finally breaking even when it comes to cloud. Please say we can dig into Alphabet with Daniel Newman, his principal analyst at Fulton Research, for joining us now. And what are you seeing, Dan, at the moment in terms of Alphabet's shares rising? The fact that this doesn't seem to be a worry that ChatGPT, OpenAI, Microsoft being a really eroding some of their competitive power. I think it's going to be a little bit longer before we start to see the real impact on search. Of course, we saw OpenAI and ChatGPT integrated into Bing, and that brought up some concern. But the core business model and where people land to do search today is is still on Google. And that is also why we saw this big, interesting topic rise about, say, Samsung and whether or not uh, Microsoft should be investing big to put search on the mobile device. It's because right now, the first place people do go to search is still Google. But Microsoft is making this interesting again. It certainly is. And Microsoft really talking up its AI investments, the focus on how they beef up compute power in their earnings as well. Is Alphabet managing to convince investors that it too is still an AI leader because it's managed to underwhelm thus far? Yeah, I think they were forced to come out with their hand a little bit earlier than they had anticipated and wanted to. And that caused a little bit of consternation when that first launch of BARD didn't go exactly as planned. I use all these tools and I'm also someone that's been following the innovation, the investment. And I think it would be really early to rule Google or Alphabet out. You see what they're doing with Brain and DeepMind, the investments that they're making. No question, Microsoft got a first mover advantage, put a lot of companies on their heels. We saw uh, Google had to follow, AWS has had to follow, a number of other companies have. But I think multiple companies succeeding and investing is gonna bring innovation to the consumer, to the enterprise. And that's actually good if there is no declarative winner this early. Of course, the real power behind profits, behind revenue for Alphabet is the search. But what about cloud? How much is this folding into the AI provision that we so clearly see with Microsoft and Azure and, and also here at other competitors? I think this inflection is actually going to be good that the company turned a profit for the first time in this quarter. It was a small profit, but they've been uh, you know, mounting up some significant losses, but had been continuing to invest in the infrastructure required to move into different regions and different zones. I think companies that have maybe been on the fence about utilizing Google Cloud may feel a little more comfortable seeing that this company has turned a corner in terms of profitability. And also Google, because its reputation in data and AI, and there is a lot of strength there, um, that should help them as companies turn to multi-cloud. So while Google may not win all the cloud business, that's where AWS has been incredibly successful and Azure as well. Google will start to become part of the equation in these enterprise cloud deployments, and I think that's going to be a big part of them staying on pace for growth, and that's what they did this quarter. You saw 28% here versus 27% over at Azure. Really smart to read across the whole space with AI with you, Daniel. Daniel Newman, of course, Future and Research. We appreciate the expertise. Meanwhile, let's turn to another key tech giant that are going to report soon. It's Meta, reporting results after the bell, to be specific. Bloomberg Sarah Fry joins us. For look, what are we going to expect from Meta? Because we know it's a tough macro environment in terms of sales. Is it all about the costs, the efficiency? 
that was the narrative last quarter that Zuckerberg, Mark Zuckerberg, CEO, really pushed was that this is a new era for the company. They're going to be cutting costs. They're going to be trying to be faster on their product, more efficient. Um, but I, I think that beyond that efficiency talk, um, you know, we'll see if it's been enough. They, they have announced a lot of cuts of their workforce. They've announced a lot of ways that they're slimming down their, their product line. Is our investors going to be satisfied with that, considering the fact that you, their main products are still slowing in mm. growth and the advertising market is still very tough? If we see a, a resurgence in demand from advertisers, I think investors will be really happy about that. If we see continued growth of, of Facebook and Instagram, I think investors will be happy about that. But I, I think overall, this company, it's going to be closely watched what, they, what they're really thinking strategically. Yeah. Efficiency is not a, a strategic product plan. It's it's yes. a, a commitment, right? Yes. Um, and, and so are they about the metaverse? Are they about AI? What's what's the real vision for the future of meta? And, and I think people will really be hanging on what Zuckerberg says about that. Yeah, you take us there because it's going to be the fourth straight revenue decline, fourth straight quarter of revenue declines we're expecting, analysts expecting. Could see daily active users of more than 2 billion, monthly active users of more than 3 billion. So it's still such a juggernaut, Sarah. But how how much do you think we are going to hear this pivot to artificial intelligence? Is that going to be the lexicon or do we have to realize that they're still willing to take losses on the investment in the metaverse? Well, Zuckerberg has to be careful because he, he can't just come out and say AI is our new North Star because the, they just went through a complete rebrand of Facebook into Meta and, and said that the metaverse was uh, the future. So I think what they're going to have to do is, is uh, and we've seen it a little bit um, from, from Nick Clegg yesterday on Bloomberg Television, saying that that you can't have the metaverse without AI and sort of making AI part of the metaverse vision. So it gets a little squishier, but I think that what we're hearing from employees is certainly more focus on AI, um, but meta risks looking like they're following, uh, again, the pressures we were talking about, the competitive pressures from ChatGPT and Microsoft, even though meta has been um, very investing in this market for a long time. We'll hear how many times they use the turn of phrase llama, its own large language model. We thank you so much, Sarah Fryer, ahead of all things meta. Meanwhile, Ed, all things cyber for you. Right, we focus on the talent needed to combat cybersecurity threats with Morgan Adamski, NSA Cybersecurity Collaboration Center Chief. That's coming up next. This is Bloomberg. What if everyone at work were an expert communicator? What if every doc, message and email they wrote was perfectly clear and concise? Inbox numbers would drop, customer satisfaction scores would rise and everyone would be more productive. That's where Grammarly comes in. Grammarly is a secure AI writing partner that understands your business and can transform it through better communication. Companies that use Grammarly save an average of 19 days per employee per year. That's because with Grammarly's AI, what used to take a few hours only takes a few clicks, like generating an instant first draft in your company voice or tailoring a message to your specific audience and goals. And Grammarly's personalized on-brand writing help is built in everywhere your team works, across 500,000 apps and websites. Plus, it's safe, secure, and already IT-approved. Join 70,000 teams who trust Grammarly with their words and their data. Learn more at Grammarly.com. Grammarly. Easier said, done.
Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash GreenFestival. We are live at the RSA conference here in San Francisco, the focus cybersecurity, and we turn to USA battle for talent to combat threats in cybersecurity. Morgan Adamski, NSA Cybersecurity Collaboration Center Chief, you have a target, 3,000 new staff by next year. Why do you need 3,000 more people operating within your agency? Absolutely. So we continue to have to grow the talent. We need people with different backgrounds. Um, as we have attrition and people leave, um, we need to continue to fill that pipeline. And so we need people that just are ready to fulfill the mission and have purpose. And so we're excited. It's our, it's our hi- biggest hiring year to date. When our global audience thinks about NSA, they, they think about all the sorts of security threats. But where is your focus when it comes to cybersecurity? What do you working on day to day. Yes, the People's Republic of China is the pacing threat when wow, it comes to cybersecurity. Wow, you went right there, straight to China. How does that how does that look? What sorts of threats is this ransomware? What 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 do you we do? It's more so that persistent broad threat, cyber espionage, um, pre-positioning, looking for opportunities to gain information, to steal intellectual property. It is the broadest most persistent per- pervasive threat that we face every single day. The Biden administration has set broad cybersecurity goals, everything matching your efforts in hiring to competency in cybersecurity. What kind of energy is that given you and your agency? a lot of energy. We're very excited because we have a lot of people coming out of college, but people that want to have, you know, mid-career changes to come into cybersecurity. And so it's really invigorated us to go out, recruit, talk about our mission publicly and bring in as many people as possible. Morgan, how many times a day do you say the words generative and AI? A lot recently. Um, we talk I mean, about how does it. it matter, what does it matter to you, AI, right now? Um, right now, you know, Generative AI has been something that we've really focused on for a long time, but it's right now obviously at the forefront of everyone's minds. They want to talk about both the benefits and the risks. What's really important is that we're having that conversation up front um, as we start to really understand the technologies and how we can take advantage of it. Earlier in the year when we were at CES, we spoke to Jenny Slee of CISA, and she had a message which was corporate America needs to do more. We need companies of all sizes mm-hmm. detecting threats earlier, designing safeguards into whatever product they're working on. Absolutely. Who, who leads this charge? You, you the p- private sector? Do you work together? We work together. It's going to take all of us to do secure by design type products and build it into the foundation. Cybersecurity is a mindset. It's not a skill set. And so we really have to just think about how are we taking all the necessary measures to make sure when we build technology, it's there for the future and it's secure. Going back to that hiring target then and skill set, are those 3,000 people you're looking for actually out there? Are you worried about sort of a deficit in skill in this country? No, those people are out there. Um, They don't necessarily have to have degrees in cybersecurity or backgrounds in engineering. Sometimes it's just people who like to solve problems and think about the problem in a different way. So we're really looking for all walks of life when we talk about those 3,000 employees. After China, 
what is the next big thing that keeps you up at night? Hmm. What keeps me up at night is the workforce, is the development, to be completely honest with you. When you talk about threats, though, it's probably Russia. They're a multi-pronged threat, and it's something that we focus on every day as well. There is heightened geopolitical tension between the US and China and Russia going back to the war in Ukraine. Does the ramp up in cyber threat mirror that ramp up in geopolitical tension? Absolutely. We see a lot of our cyber actors both in China and Russia, but also hacktivists and cyber criminals learning from what's happening every single day. And so they're just learning techniques that they're now employing broad scale. All right, Morgan Adamski, NSA Cybersecurity Collaboration Center Chief. Thank you, Caroline Talent. Just one conversation. This is an industry and public sector that is hiring right now. Wow, one of the bright spots, therefore, in the world of technology seems to be resilient. Welcome back to Bloomberg Technology. I'm Caroline Hyde in New York. And I'm Ed Ludlow, live here at the RSA conference in San Francisco. Cybersecurity is what we're talking about. Industry arriving here with generative AI kind of top of mind. They're also thinking about what threats look like right now. So I'm going to bring in CrowdStrike CEO George Kurtz here with me on site. This is what you've been talking about, the sophistication of what your industry faces, what the public sector faces. What are the biggest threats out there to you and, and, and what have you found in the, in the first four months of this year? Well, we talk a lot about nation state threats, which are certainly uh, prevalent and will always be prevalent. One of the things that uh, we actually did a keynote on, myself and Mike Santonis, was on e-crime. And we took a representative case study of some e-crime groups and really talked about the sophistication level. Um, while it's sophisticated, it's actually relatively easy to get into many organizations. You can just buy access. And then a big focus for the e-crime groups now is actually not even encrypting the end user's data, but to actually steal it first and then extort the company uh, to make sure that they get paid before they, they leak the data on the what website. What is the rationale of the threat actor? I think that there's this idea, if you take ransomware as an example, yeah. that that activity is just indiscriminate. Uh, they just want money, so they go after whoever. They want Well, they want money and they go after where the money's at, right? They go after the bigger companies, they go after source code, they go after uh, companies that they know could pay from a public embarrassment perspective, but you're right, there's a bit of indiscriminate access that if they have it, they're going to try it, whether it's a hospital, whether it's a large co company, whether it's a, a government organization, they want to get paid from everyone. We just talked to the NSA about trying to hire talent in the public sector in this, in this country. You post strong earnings, strong top line growth. How seriously does corporate America take the threats, digital threats, cyber threats. Well, Are we just waking up to this now, or, or do you see sort of consistency? I think it's consistent, and it's it's been consistent over the last probably five years from a boardroom perspective. I think it's moved from an annoyance of having a PC that's infected to potentially systemic risk to a business when the entire business is ransomed and, and uh, their systems are rendered useless. So it is the number one, in my opinion, threat that is talked about in the boardroom today. Do you remember in January when we were at CES, there were thousands of people there, 
not that many of them were saying generative AI. Right. Now everyone here is saying generative AI. What does that mean to you? Are you using generative AI tools to improve CrowdStrike's offering? Do you use it personally? I mean, how does it impact your industry? Well, I, I'm, this is one of those fascinating technologies and I think it's a bit of an iPhone moment for many folks when they actually use it and, and, uh, and get the results out. When you think about generative AI and how it can be used in security, it can really help in automation. There's a lot of repetitive tasks for a security operations center administrator, things of that nature. And I think that will help revolutionize that. And we're, we've been pioneering AI since I started the company in 2011. So it isn't a new buzzword to us, uh, as opposed to a lot of companies. But I think what's important when we think about generative AI is, I think it's going to compress the, the time frame that companies have to actually patch because the ability to create exploits and take advantage of these vulnerabilities that exist and you know, patch Tuesday, Microsoft has, et cetera, it's going to compress that time down to a very small level. There's a debate in, in the field of um, whether generative AI makes tackling phishing uh, more difficult or if it helps to reskill the workforce you've already got to literally improve defense. Where's your headline with that? Is this an upskiller or is it a sort of displacement of human activity? For me, there's always going to be humans in the loop, and you kind of look at level one, two, and three. If if you can automate a lot of the level one repetitive tasks, and you can basically make level two analysts or level three analysts more productive, A, you're going to hire less of them, B, they're hard to actually find and keep, and they're expensive. So why not automate the repetitive right. tasks? At the state actor level, where are you seeing more activity? China or Russia? China's pretty active pretty active now, particularly when you look at what's happening with Taiwan. They have a long plan. They're Has that patient. ramped up as geopolitical tensions We've, we've seen ramped it ramped up, up yeah, with geopolitical tensions. And how does it manifest itself? Uh, particularly in the technology industry. It, you know, obviously there's a lot of chips in Taiwan, so there's a lot of understanding of what's happening, there's a lot of reconnaissance, there's a lot of just understanding. Yes. Even, even shipping lanes, you know, who's shipping what, all of these facets of information are of interest to the Chinese government, and they, they suck it all in, it's like big data exercise for them. They suck it all in and they build the puzzle and they're very patient. George Kurtz, CrowdStrike CEO. We're live here at RSA. Caroline, back to you in New York. So much more to come. Let's just get a quick check on the markets, though, as we look at what is really tech galvanizing some risk on sentiment in the United States. Nasdaq 100 having its best day in a couple of weeks since mid-April. The reason? Earnings coming in better than expected, particularly when you look at some of the key names. I'm looking at the S&P 500, which is being helped higher by some of those tech names, but this isn't risk on across the rest of the market, particularly over in Europe. You think about how Desalt Systems, it's a software company, ASM, and another key chip maker there, they actually fell in trading after their earnings. So we see a weaker all-country world index. Tech really outperforming today. Let's move it on and look at what's happening in terms of individual movers. An absolute wealth of news coming today. Of course, Microsoft doing well after its earnings, but also that news that it will no longer, according to the UK, perhaps be able to be buying Activision. Remember, $69 billion. This is one of the top 30 M&A deals ever. And the UK thinks it's anti-competitive, according to its competition market authority. Activision Blizzard off by more than 10 
10% as we worry about that deal going through. Tesla off by more than 3%. Interesting Fisker on the upside today as actually we see that this does have a route to getting some of its cars into the European market, into the US market by May 5th. Tesla having a pretty bad day, actually one of the worst performers on the Nasdaq, dragging it down. But also we've got to keep on thinking about what's happening in Disney actually trying to sue Ron DeSantis, the governor of California, uh, not of California, the governor of what's happening in Florida at the moment, Ed. But so much more coming up from you in terms of cyber. Yeah, so much of that Microsoft story is about AI. So that's where we take the conversation next. Vasu Jakao, who's the security chief over at Microsoft, they've already told us how they integrated those AI tools into the security offering. How's that driving the business and what's she talking about here? All next from RSA, this is Bloomberg. What if everyone at work were an expert communicator? What if every doc, message and email they wrote was perfectly clear and concise? Inbox numbers would drop, customer satisfaction scores would rise and everyone would be more productive. That's where Grammarly comes in. Grammarly is a secure AI writing partner that understands your business and can transform it through better communication. Companies that use Grammarly save an average of 19 days per employee per year. That's because with Grammarly's AI, what used to take a few hours only takes a few clicks, like generating an instant first draft in your company voice or tailoring a message to your specific audience and goals. And Grammarly's personalized on-brand writing help is built in everywhere your team works, across 500,000 apps and websites. Plus, it's safe, secure, and already IT-approved. Join 70,000 teams who trust Grammarly with their words and their data. Learn more at Grammarly.com. Grammarly. Easier said, done. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash GreenFestival. Welcome back to Bloomberg Technology. We are live at the RSA conference here in San Francisco, the focus cybersecurity. But I got to be honest, everyone's talking about generative AI, which is fortunate because we are joined by Microsoft's VP of security, Vasu Jakao. And you, you've already gone there. You've already told us how Microsoft integrates GPT into Security Copilot. But why? What is the benefit of using AI to boost security offering? It's great to be here with you live, Ed. Thank you for having us. We have to remember who we are up against as we think about why we need AI. Today, the threat landscape is really challenging. We've gone from 567 attacks per second to 1287 attacks per second. That translates to tens of billions of attacks. Cybersecurity is very complex. The average defender is dealing with more than 70 tools at any given time. And it takes a long time for us to investigate all of this work and to do strategic work. So that's where AI is going to be a game changer. And let's not forget the talent shortage that we are facing as an industry. That's where AI is going to really augment that human essence. Vasu, Microsoft shares up more than 8%. Investors really bought the AI story during earnings. Security, 
you know, flex a little bit. How important is your unit now within Microsoft's offering to enterprise clients of all sizes? Yes, security is a $20 billion business within Microsoft. We offer six product lines which come together to form one security cloud. And AI is very much at the heart of it. We talked about security co-pilot, which is what we announced on March 28th, the first and only generative AI product, which uses open AI LLM technologies, as well as our Microsoft security specific model. And we are really seeing our customers trust us on this journey. We have 860,000 customers and 600,000 customers now who are using more than four Microsoft security products. So really emphasizing that end-to-end -end journey we've been on. They trust you, but since that March announcement, are they getting their checkbooks out and, and buying into the security products because of the integration of the, of the OpenAI technology? They do trust us and every single customer I have met since we announced Security Copilot has asked us about when Security Copilot will be available at scale. We have released right now in private preview because it's very important for us to work with some customers and partners. It's a learning system. We need to train this AI. We need to learn from our customers. But every single customer, every single partner has asked us and we're helping them lay the foundations for AI right now. Security is kind of seen as this emerging growth driver uh, for Microsoft. There's also a talent question that's happening here on the ground at RSA. Do you need to have a, people with a new skill set who, who have a background in AI rather than traditional security software? That's the beauty of this new generative AI. You know what the most powerful coding language right now is in the world? What's it's that? English. Okay. And that's going to help get a whole new generation of defenders in because it's going to reduce the barriers to entry for cybersecurity. We have a talent shortage right now, 3.4 million jobs. We have a diversity challenge right now. We have a training challenge. So imagine someone who just gets into the workforce and can use AI as their ally to help them understand, to help them get trained. And imagine a tier two analyst who is in your security operations center who can now have AI help them with automation and augmentation so they can then put their time on strategic decision making. The, when Microsoft reported earnings, you know, clearly cloud was a strength as one example. The macro picture is still a bit concerning. When it comes to cybersecurity, do you see stability in the kind of commitment to invest into cybersecurity cap capabilities, capacity, even when economic times are hard? I just wonder what the health of yeah. demand is. Absolutely. We made a big commitment to cybersecurity. We're investing $20 billion in security over five years. That has started. And we continue to see security as the top priority for all organizations and the top spend as well as the most defensible spend. So we'll continue investing, we'll continue innovating, and we'll continue taking our customers on that journey. Vasu, there are other things to talk about beyond AI. What are the corridor conversations here? You know, part of what we've been talking about is where the threats are coming from. But for you, where's your focus? Our focus right now is end-to-end -end with AI. And I'll leave you with this. Perhaps in our hands today is the most consequential technology that we're going to see in our lifetimes. We all need to be included in it. That is the conversation we are in the, having in the hallways. It's not about what technology can do, but it is what is, can humans do when empowered by this incredible AI and incredible technology. Uh, yes or no, are you using ChatGPT every single day? <laughs> I am. Okay. Vasu Jakao, Microsoft VP of Security. It's so good to catch up here on the ground at RSA in San Francisco.
Bloomberg Technology live at the RSA conference here in San Francisco. Cybersecurity, the broader theme, generative AI, the focus. Let's bring in Rapid7 Chief Security Officer Jaya Ballou. Gen AI, the topic. You're looking at it from the other side of the table, which is advances in quantum computing. How do the threat actors harness that? Why is that a concern for you? Well, I think it's a concern because we don't tend to prioritize those things that are important until they become urgent. AI is a perfect example of that, actually, frankly. We've been looking at AI from a very long time lens. You know, we saw the AI winter and then all of a sudden, ChatGPT, yes. and we've got all this new renewed interest. And I feel like it's similar to what we're experiencing with quantum. So we had the beginning of the hype uh, cycle. You know, we're worried about a quantum winter, but I feel like we should be prepared for that you know, quick accelerated speed up so that we do have our house in order when there is a quantum computer capable of decrypting RSA and making available our secrets. So we need to prepare and this is why I'm concerned. Well, you, your industry colleagues are sort of pretty upbeat, right? They, they see AI as being value additive for their businesses or they're talking about how they've always been competent in AI. Very few of them are saying, the problems we're dealing with could be made worse by AI. That's essentially your concern. Well, I think there are a lot of people that are actually concerned about the growth of AI and what the downsides could be from all different standpoints, from ethical to also, you know, the potential for what does AI mean for cybersecurity? Also, from the flip side, like every technology can be good or bad use. Fair enough. But I, I would like us to have a sort of roadmap for quantum readiness so that when there's a quantum computer capable of breaking our current cryptography, that we actually have a plan and that we actually know where our crown jewels are and we're able to protect them. We're here in San Francisco earlier. We were talking with the, the NSA. There's a lot of emphasis on what the Biden administration is doing. Absolutely. Um, but you're actually the vice chair of the European Technical Standards Institute. And I just wondered which jurisdiction you think is actually leading the way in combating cyber threats? That's a brilliant question. And I think, frankly, <laughs> I think, frankly, the thing that's needed is that we work closer together, that we find our friends in this area. Area and you know Do the you Biden recognize cooperation between the United States and Europe. As I think example. it could be better. Uh, to be very frank with you, I think it actually needs to improve if we actually want to have any chance of doing well. The Biden administration, with the Quantum Preparedness Act, you know, basically telling federal governments that they need to have an inventorization of their cryptographic resources in order to make that transition. That was a great move, but now we need to kind of see it through, and you know, it will hit the vendor landscape for everyone who serves the federal government, and I'm hoping that that trickle-down effect will actually be meaningful across the cybersecurity industry. The other topic of conversation is talent. You know, this seems to be an industry where everyone is saying, we need more people. Yeah. We're hiring in the thousands. I know that actually for you, education is a big part of that. Yeah. Is there a skills gap in this country or a talent gap in the United States? I wish there weren't, but there absolutely is. And I Why? Why is that? And I, I think there's two things. First of all, even though there is an availability of certain types of cybersecurity education, we don't see the uptake that we'd like to see. We don't see the demographic diversity that we want to see when we actually have applicants for different positions. And I and I feel like the depth of technical skills is still where we fall the most short. So I think making it more accessible, you know, having coding practices in high schools, really starting very early with a kind of digital form of education, that's what we need. When you say things like security network architecture or end-to-end -end encryption in the context of a corporate entity, sometimes people's eyes glaze over. I too, yeah. 
Yeah. But, you know, the threats seem to be very serious. Do you recognize corporate America taking that threat seriously? Is there interest and willingness to invest to protect themselves? So it goes back to your previous question as well about literacy in terms of cybersecurity. Do we have enough cybersecurity knowledge and skill set to be able to do this well? And I think corporate America is a perfect example, especially in, at the board level, where that also needs to improve. We need to actually improve because there is a fiduciary duty to make sure that we know enough about cybersecurity, that we ask the right questions of enterprises. And I think here as well, we could be doing a better job. A great example that I always like to point to is the UK National Cybersecurity Center created a lot of advice for boards on specifically which questions do you need to ask in order to know that you're capable of performing that fiduciary duty for cybersecurity skills. Going back to generative AI very quickly, what's your day-to-day -day engagement like with generative AI tools? Are you using them in your line of business? Um, actually, right now, uh, within the company, we are asking people not to use ChatGPT for any other corporate resources unless it's been you know, perfectly vetted by us. And that's a very simple reason because I don't think that we're at a place. We're using it internally for our own products, but using a large language model that's external to our company is not something that we're going to do right right now, unless it's for you know people who are using it in their free time. So I think that there's definitely a market for right. it to improve product, but I'm not sure that it's actually at the right place that it needs to be from a security perspective in order to train the data set with our data. Uh, Jay Ballou, Rapid7 Chief Security Officer, so good to catch up here at the RSA conference in San Francisco. Caroline, it's a day where the subject matter is clear. It's generative AI, mm -hmm. and everyone is talking about that. Yeah, whether or not it's in the world of cyber, whether it's in the earnings that we start to see the hype become reality, the talk of the net additions Microsoft is making in terms of new customers interested in how it's yes. evolving AI within its business model. But also, we've got to talk deals, Ed. You're a gamer. What did you make of the Microsoft Activision news? Yeah, look, I think a lot of the merger arbitrage specialists and a lot of those, like Jen Re, this is a serious blow. There's a July deadline. But the, the questions around innovation and consumer pricing, Microsoft and Activision pushing back heavily against that. That's the bit that you have to track. Well, what else can they do to convince regulators? And it all comes around back to, well, cloud gaming. And we were talking so much today around the yeah. earnings of how much cloud is a driver in Azure for Microsoft, whether actually it's finally breaking even over at Alphabet and Google. What more are you looking forward to in terms of the cybernet conversations you're going to be having over there at RSA? Yeah, I think it's where's the value add. And we heard Microsoft saying, look, this is a driver for a lot of our businesses right now. We're demonstrating how the AI works, but also how it improves our existing businesses. Cloud, that, I think we've got to do more there, Gary. We do. Always more to do. We thank you so much for being out there, Ed. That does it for this edition of Bloomberg Technology. You do not want to forget to check out our podcast. You can find it on the terminal. Go listen back to some of Ed's amazing interviews that he's had today, as well as our conversation around that news from Microsoft and indeed its deal of Activision Blizzard. Go to Apple's Spotify fire iHeart. From New York from San Francisco, this is Bloomberg. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at cuttereconomicforum.com.